Science can't explain everything. Just because you can't see me doesn't mean I'm not here. Thank you for joining me, everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Encounters podcast series. My name is Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz. I am the host and the producer of this show. Sit back, grab yourself some popcorn, and let's get started. Be careful what you wish for. Good evening, everyone. Yes, indeed. Let's get started here. We have a interesting guest with us this evening, someone who is tremendously immersed in alien abduction cases as well as his own. And so this is going to be a full program tonight. And without further ado, let me introduce you to my guest, Joe Montaldo. Whether you're listening at home, at work, or anywhere, thanks for making Para-X part of your day. Your source for everything paranormal, Para-X. Some say it can take a lifetime to endure and bring about change into their lives. However, what happens when you are gone, missing for 11 days, and you come back and realize that something unusual has just happened to you? My guest this evening is Joe Montaldo. Joe is the co-founder, international director, and spokesperson for ICAR, the International Community for Alien Research. Joe's mission is to further public awareness on alien abduction, being a contactee, and understanding a little bit more about what is happening in our unseen, sometimes seen, world. Joe is the host of the new radio program UFO Undercover. UFO Undercover is an internet talk show that allows the host and guest to interact with each other. Joe, who has been a paranormal and extraterrestrial investigator for almost 30 years, is extremely knowledgeable on UFOs, alien abductions, star children, indigo children, my labs, government involvement, and all matters related to ufology. ICAR's main focus is on alien abductions, as well as the alien agenda. Joe Montaldo has been featured in newspaper articles, radio talk shows, and speaks at area meetings. Joe's future goal is to gain information for ICAR and share it with the public. Joe feels the public needs to understand what is going on with alien contact and exactly what the alien agenda is. We have a lot to talk about this evening, so without further ado, please welcome to my show, Joe Montaldo. Well, good evening, Joe, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Joe, before I um, get started here and we kind of delve into a few interesting topics um, tonight, um, why don't we start with a little bit of a foundation here and uh, tell everybody where did your interests actually peak or begin with either paranormal, extraterrestrial, cryptid, whatever. It had to start somewhere. So let's, where did that start for you? You know, that that's that is that's a weird question. So I'm gonna do it fast because I don't want to waste too much time. So you know, I was, everybody knows I was in the Navy. 
I served on the USS Nimitz. And I used to talk to a lot of pilots who would tell me stuff like, you know, we've seen this, we've seen that. And, it, you know, they were always seeing something weird. And almost every pilot I talked to had seen something. And then every now and then I'd get one of them who felt the need to tell me about some weird experience he had or she had. So uh, I thought a lot about it, but I was in the Navy. I was crazy. I was running around chasing girls, doing all kinds of stuff. So I, I get home and I'm, I'm sitting in my dentist chair, right? And she's working on my teeth and she goes, you know, can I tell you something in private? And I'm like, sure. And she starts telling me about an alien abduction. I'm like, get, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Now I know this woman really well. Uh, she's very popular in, in the community. She does a lot of work. And I'm like, Really, Miss Cow? She's like, yeah. She, he said, I don't know what to think. She said, I just needed to tell somebody. I said, well, I'm not going to tell anybody. A couple of days go by. A friend of mine comes up and just starts talking about this alien abduction. Mm-hmm. So I go by to see a friend of mine at work one day, and I'm standing behind the counter with him. We're talking. And these two girls come up, and they're doing their stuff, getting their business. And the other girl looks over. She said, can I tell you about this alien abduction I'm having? I'm thinking, all right. And so now I'm thinking of some kind of massive trick going on. You know, I'm like, come on, this cannot be. Just, just cannot be. So six weeks later, my mom's having a big party. Uh, one of the senators are over at the house and we're all talking. I'm talking with the senators. Hey, now I know this lady because I grew up with these people. So yeah, she's a senator. Everybody has a big deal. To me, she's just, you know, part of the family. Yeah. So we're going on and I'm sitting over there and I'm talking to her. Hey, we're just having a couple of drinks. And I'm thinking these, we were going to leave. And she comes down, sits down between, she puts her arm around me. She said, um, I was told to tell you this. And I looked up at her and I'm thinking, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And she just goes into a 45 minute about how she's been being taken since she was a child. So I, I, I don't even know what to say. And I've had a couple of drinks by this time, too. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to say her name, but I, I'm thinking, yeah. I said, you know what? Let me think about this and I'll get back to you. Because every time I heard somebody saying they had been abducted by an alien, I'm thinking you need to seek professional help right now. You're crazy. There's no such thing as aliens. Y'all are crazy. But in the back of my head, I'm always thinking about this Navy stuff and a lot of stuff I'd heard in the Navy, things that I'd seen. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. So we go to a meeting and uh, I walk into this meeting. And now this time I'd done no lectures or nothing. So I just wanted to go to this abduction meeting to hear people talk about it. Nine out of the 14 people knew me by name. Hmm. How, how can that possibly be? I mean, I was nobody. Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen. I was nobody. I, I, had, I was barely out of boot camp. I mean, I was barely out of, out of tech school. I was, on, you know, I was on, on leave from the Navy. And people were telling me about this. And they're telling me, they're calling me by name. And, and they knew a lot about me. And I'm thinking, no, this cannot possibly be. So at this time, this is about to make me just crazy. Mm-hmm. So I called up a friend of mine. We're talking about. It, we're talking about. It. I said, you know what? I'm get online. I'm gonna blow off some steam and some chat. So we opened a chat room on Yahoo, and we're blowing off this steam. And then I meet this guy, Ariel Saint Sinclair. He's supposed to be a direct bloodline of Jesus, and he's a great contactee. Mm-hmm. This guy sent me off into a tizzy. I didn't know what to think about this guy. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking about all this, and all of a sudden the chat room just starts filling up with people. Mm-hmm. who have had experience and, and half of them knew who I was. I was like, it was making me crazy. So that's, that's how that's, that's what drug me into this kicking and screening mind you. I'm not going to lie about it because still, even then I was kind of, I kind of wanted to debunk it. I did not want to believe that people I knew people around me, people, just daily people, people in all walks of lives would be taken. I was just having a hard time adjusting. Now this time I was 22, 23, I was about 23 years old. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to start looking into this. So a year later, I joined MUFON. 
and uh, started working with Walt Anderson. He became a friend of ours. I'm not going to get into it. Something had happened to my wife and I. We lost 11 days in Navarre Beach, Florida. My son was about a year and a half old, two years old at the time. Yeah. Just completely gone 11 days. And the bad part of it is, is when we when we returned, we didn't even know anything happened. It, this is this is what tipped me off. I went to go pay the lady at the hotel for an extra day, and she looked at me. She says, "Where you been?" I said, "We just been hanging out on the beach. We hung out all last night." She said, "No, no, 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 sir. Your car hasn't moved in eleven days." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <clears throat> she said, "Your car hasn't moved in eleven days." So I, I get, I go, I pull out my credit cards, you know, which at the time I think I had five. I called all the credit card companies. There had been no charges on my credit cards, zero. I looked at my car, I had the exact same amount of gas, and I pulled out my cash. I had the exact same amount of cash. This is this is creepy. This is, is so so. Let me back up so because I want to make sure that everyone hears the 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 clear details. Okay, where were you again? What state were you in? I was in Florida. Florida, right right outside of Pensacola. I was in between Pensacola and uh, Eglin Air Force Base. This little place called Navarre. Okay. And that's where we were. Oh, Navarre. Okay. Oh, and then what year did this happen to you? Do you remember again? Oh, God. You know, maybe do years. Let me think. Hold on. I actually got to think about what year it was. How old were you, my did you say? My son's 37. So it was 35 years ago. Okay. 35 years ago. And you're with, did you say you were married at the time? Uh, yeah, I was married. And then, and you lost seven or 11 days. 11 days. 11 days. Now, we wrote to Walt, Walt Anders about this and move on. Mm-hmm. Not immediately, though. Two years later, we wrote to Walt Anders and move on. So we write to him. A year passed. We get nothing. All of a sudden, we get an envelope, a returned envelope, the regular envelope. It was cut into a million pieces. Okay. The, the, all the stuff inside was cut into a million pieces. And then somebody sat there with scotch tape and taped it back together. Okay. And it had been a little while because you know how that old tape used to start to turn brown. Yeah. So it had been at least a year since they put it back together. So I'm thinking, what the hell happened here? So I call, I call Walter. So Walt, what's going on? He said, What are you talking about? I, I pulled out the letter and told him all about it. He said, I've never seen the letter, Joe. Hmm. And he said, and you know how how MUFON is about uh what might have been a military abduction case, which it's not what it, it wasn't, it wasn't, but so they, they didn't want to put their hands on it. It scared them. It, it, it literally scared them. And being that we weren't egg by, by Eglin, <coughs> more than likely there was at least some military involved. Yeah. But we didn't remember anything. We didn't want to be regressed. We, we fought it for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I think I was 20. I just got, cut, got out of here, just learned how to hypnotize people. And Linda did too. And we were sitting on the couch one night talking. And a particular voice we use when we do hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And I still remember her sliding back and stuff. She just started talking about stuff. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So the more she went, the deeper it went. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let me go get a recorder so I know what's going on. So mm-hmm. I stopped her because I didn't want to be the one that hypnotized her. Yeah. Well, because of credibility reasons. So I called a friend of mine over at Move One, Gregory Avery, and had him hypnotize her. Okay. He brings her under. All this information comes out about this night, this, this 11 days. I mean, there's just tons of it, <clears throat> and we couldn't figure out the night we the night we came back because, like I said, my son was like two, so Linda was about seventy five feet down the beach from him, and I was seventy five feet the other way from him. Okay, but there's not a shot in hell either one of us would have let that kid get more than maybe two feet from us. Mm-hmm. We were very overprotective parents at the time, mm-hmm. and um, 
it was just crazy. And the more, the more we went under, the more we found. That was it for me. It just sent me over the edge. So I said, okay, I just got to, I started doing research. I started doing more research. Uh, because of that chat room we opened up, um, we started making friends. Um, uh, I spent a couple more years with MUFON working with them. I, I did the first, um, um, I should say, alien abduction criteria. Mm-hmm. I did with MUFON with 5,000 cases from around the world. Mm-hmm. But MUFON didn't want to hear about alien abductions. It scared them. That They thought it was going to take away credibility from the organization. Mm-hmm. So um, eventually I just left. I said, look, guys, I love y'all, blah, 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 blah. I said, but, you know, Walt's retiring. John Slush is taking over. We know he's got black ops ties. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm just, and then pretty much MUFON's been running black ops ever since. I don't know who the new guy is. So I don't want to say about him, but yeah. um, everybody else had some kind of black side signs. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of, I was kind of like, so then all of a sudden um, the chat room started growing and it was tons and tons of people coming and going. Yeah. We started putting together uh, admins and stuff. And then when we moved over to Pal Talk, uh, that's when Alien Enigma was born. That's when uh, six months later, iCore was born. And we, we put the website together, I think the end of 99 and it's been there ever since. Okay. And, uh, and, and because of that, all of that, it just, it is it, it like, it was, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this, but it was like I was ignoring what everyone was telling me. So they decided, whoever decided, you can, y'all can judge this for yourself, aliens or government. I know who it is, but I'm going to let y'all decide. It was like somebody grabbed me by my ponytail and just drug me into it and said, look, you're not paying attention. These people are telling you what's going on with your life. You should, have, you should want to know more. And, you know, I didn't want to get involved. And after that, I was involved. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just no way out. I mean, I just had to get into it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I grew up in New Orleans, so paranormal is not really weird for us. I mean, yeah. all the buildings downtown are haunted. A lot of times when you're walking like him, you'll be on the side of the St. Louis Cathedral mm-hmm. where Pirate's Alley is where they used to sell the slaves and hang them. And, but you'll see, you'll be sitting there having lunch or dinner, two o'clock. Matter of fact, just recently, three of us, three of us with, a, with a bunch of other people that were having uh, cocktails sitting along the edge of it outside. Watch two women walk, scroll down in Bella Dental Address, just scrolling on down, fade it <laughs> in, fade it out. You know, it's at least 16 people seeing it. It's just, you know, was it a ghost? Was it a dimensional bleed through? Was it? I have no idea what the hell it was. All I know is it happened. <laughs> here's, you know, a, so. here's a question for you. I want to back up one, okay. one, little, one little question for you. I you should make a movie called 11 Days. Um, the uh, if you haven't already thought about that, but anyway, um, when when you Okay, I'm curious. Okay, so you're standing there. The person at the, the clerk is sitting there saying where you've been, everything, nothing's moved, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and you're going, I've been here the whole time or whatever. I presume yeah, you probably, probably had to pay the, the 11 days worth. But my question is, is markings. Everyone wants to know, did you have a marking on you? Did you have any ability to, did you see something strange? Did you feel different? Did you? Well, well you know? to, to start off, we're standing on the beach. Uh, they were out there, her or someone out there scooping crabs. Yeah. So we're watching. So we're, we're watching this pier, which is about 300 yards away. And there's, there's two guys in the pier and they're looking over the pier. And as I look at him, you see, it looked like somebody had broke one of them green flares and threw it out in the water. You know how yeah. It looks so you you seen this weird green thing, but it was bobbing under the water, not on top of the water. Mm-hmm. And we watch, and as it got closer to the pier, these two guys turned around and hauled ass. I mean, they were screaming, they were running. And I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. And then all I remember until we were hypnotized, all I remember after that, there was just a flag, like a flash. 
Mm-hmm. And then next thing I know is we were home and doing our thing. And it was 11 days had passed. And I was like, and, uh, and it was the day before our hotel room was going to run out. It's almost like they knew. And, uh, and it's weird because when I went and talked to the, the girl, she's saying, she said, if you don't believe me, sir, the camera's right here. Your car has not left since it parked here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I made her actually, I made her run up a copy of the film. I wanted it. I still have it somewhere in my house still to this day. Yeah. And um, the car didn't move for 11 days. Nor when you look out, because there's cameras in the back of the place, you've never seen this. That's what's weird. You see us leave on that night and go outside. Yeah. But you never see us come back. And she said they they were. Um, they were going to report us missing. She said, if, if we wouldn't have showed up that day, they would have reported us missing. I think, yeah, we've been going 11 days and wait 11 days to report us missing. Exactly. And, and uh, which I thought was odd, but still, mm-hmm. she said, we, we didn't know what to think. She said, because when we went back and looked at the camera, it never looked like you went back in your room. We thought, well, maybe they left with some friends and they'll be back. And yeah, uh, she said, there is this weird white flash that was on the cameras. Okay. And so I seen that and I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And then, you know, and like I said, it took almost, I want to say from that night until the time we really realized what was going, it took almost five years. Um, neither one of us wanted to remember. Yeah. You know, we, we just, something in the back of our head said, no, you don't want to know. No, you don't want to know. No, you don't want to know. Yeah. And then uh, because partially it turned out to be, it turned out to be a reverse handoff. Okay. We, we were, it was, um, so the first flash of hypnosis, I remember, there was like three people hanging on my arms, just grabbing. Now you got to remember, I'm 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 not three years out of out of service. I'm special forces trained. I'm thinking, and I and I know for a fact I'm tossing people like they're candy. So I, I still remember this. They were in black shoes, black pants. It's almost like Betty Barney Hill's description of them. They're just in a typical, you know, black ops outfit, black, yeah. black, blacked up cat, shirt, pants, shoes, the whole nine yards. Yeah. And and I remember guys said, no, you can't hurt him, you can't hurt him. And then I remember it was two on one arm, two on another arm. Somebody grabbed my legs. I still remember and then I looked up and I seen this weird white light, like something had opened in the water, like a doorway had opened or something. Mm-hmm. And I seen Linda and, and my son going into it, but I couldn't see who it was mm-hmm. until I was taken deep in hypnosis and, and uh, it was still the military. And I was like, but there seemed to be a gray stand in there. Okay. I still remember. I still remember. <coughs> you know, I mean, you know, I was fighting. I was pissed. And I, I, this little chick out of nowhere comes up and just sticks me in the arm with something. I was out. It was yeah. some kind of tranquilizer knocked me out. And uh, probably was out for a little while too, from what I could what I could figure out. But the more we got into this dream, the more things we seen like. On one of the days we were sitting in this room, they were doing some kind of test to these eight women, including Linda. And there was a room full of people that were just standing there, but they were like out. Mm-hmm. They were like, they were like stunned or something, but they, <coughs> but they were standing there. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Two of them were the guys we seen on the pier. So whatever this room, they were definitely holding these people in this room. And these guys were definitely two of them. And I remember when the redheaded doctor comes up, the redheaded doctor is a great thing in, in ufology because he's described a lot of times as a guy that's like seven or eight foot tall with this ginger red or orangish red hair. He's really big and he's usually given gynecological, gynecological exams. Hold on a second. <laughs> Damn it. That's okay. Take your time. Yeah, and um, anyway, he's usually doing that. So in this particular day, they had this thing, it's stainless steel. Yeah. And there's eight, eight sets of stirrups in it with eight different women. And he was doing this exam. 
And I remember seeing him there, and I remember the gray standing there, and I remember what appeared to be a reptilian human alien walked in, and when they did, and they seen the gray, they both put their heads down and mm. kind of just leaned back against the wall, like, yeah, okay, we didn't realize you were here. It was the first time I realized that maybe the grays aren't the subservient ones, maybe the other two are. Mm. But I was more interested in other things at the time. And uh, so, you know, it looked like they were removing something from all these women. It was probably an egg. Yeah something along those lines. It's hard to say what it was. Um, and the whole thing felt surreal because I'm watching it like I'm watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just kind of like, yeah, <clears throat> this can't be real. This is weird. None of this can possibly be weird, real. And each day seemed to be another reel of weirdness. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like on the third or fourth day, they just turned us over to the grades. And that was the end of it. I mean, that was the end of dealing with anything with the military. Huh. Did your wife um, report, I presume you were both, you know, abducted together. So did she report a different kind of scenario or did she see the same scenario? For the most part, everything we saw was because most of the time we were together. We weren't weren't apart often. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of times we were apart that we seen slightly different things because there was different stuff being being done to us. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was there was a few times like. I still remember she got pissed because two of her daughters were there because she had stepdaughters <clears throat> mm-hmm. and they were there and, and it really pissed her off. And, and we were talking about it and uh, there was nothing she could do because they were just out. Yeah. They were just, you know, they, when I walked in the room, they were just on, on these weird, the grays have got these weird tables there. It's almost like they're made out of liquid. When you go into a room, when you go into a gray ship when you walk into the room, there's nothing in there. It's just mm-hmm. light, but you can't even tell where the light's coming from. But, Whatever the whatever the gray wants happened. So when you thought about the table, this, this bubbling stuff came up from the floor and just kind of spread out and mm-hmm. turned it into a table. Mm-hmm. The person got on a table, and then this this other liquid started coming out and totally engulfed the body. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they could breathe it because they weren't dead, mm-hmm. but they were out. And then when they wanted the instruments, they would think about it, and the whole thing, would, the big tube would come out of the wall with all kinds of sorts of instruments in it. Um, they would do all sorts of interesting things, like the one that filled every orifice on the body. And that in itself is, is, is just scary to even think about. But there, it just showed the advancement of them. Their ships were alive. They weren't, they weren't organic. I mean, they weren't dead. They weren't steel. They were organic. Um, they created the blue plasma that you've seen all over the ship, which the grays can use as food. They can absorb it through a symbiosis. And the ship uses as fuel, but it can also be used as a food. And if you put humans in it, it actually enhances humans' abilities. Oh, my. Uh, so, but the ship itself grows it. It's 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 it um it's, it creates its own food source, its own fuel source. It's it's really interesting. We hear and we stumbled across that by sheer accident. That came yeah. from a whole different place. But yeah. but the more you get into these cases, the more information you find. Yeah. One thing you find out when you get into deep hypnosis is every case starts pre-birth. Doesn't matter who they are, even if they think they've only been abducted three times. So when somebody tells me they've been abducted three times or one time or two times, it's only one or two scenarios for me. Either they're lying or they just haven't realized, you know, when this started in their life. Yeah, exactly. We have thousands of cases where, you know, you hear even the kid, you can hear their own kids' voices, my bug-eyed friend, my reptilian friend, and hence the word friend. They're not scared of them. The fear doesn't start with their aliens until puberty, and it only lasts until about age 30. Mm-hmm. After that, it tends to change because aliens are looking at you for different things at different points. All the nasty stuff they do from puberty to about age 28, actually. And after that, it changes. And some people quit getting abducted. They still take the kids, but they take, quit taking the parents. 
mm-hmm. some people keep getting abducted because they've shown that they want to be part of whatever's going on. And what I mean by this is there's a lot of people we consider to be communicators. They're out there just communicating the story that there are aliens. They are visiting the planet. They're part of, they're here today and they're part of our everyday life cycle. So they're out there, regardless what the story is for each one, because a lot of times they're going to be different stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still out there doing it. And then there's the keepers. The keepers work directly with the aliens, whatever race it is, uh, to help with the contactees and the overflow. So in other words, you'll be on a board a ship and the grades may have just taken a thousand people. Mm-hmm. So you might be working the kids department where you're in there with the kids, or you might be w- walking from room to room, making sure that the humans are settling in place. So there's no extra harm has to be done. That's what a keeper's job is, mm-hmm. is to help the humans to get through this because, you know, in the end, they're human, you're human, and you want them to make it through this because the grades and the reptilians and humans are not going to stop what they're doing for anybody. So, you know, this way it's easier. And the Greys realized this before the other two races didn't start implementing it and allowing for humans to get involved. And, uh, and um, because of that, we've noticed the Greys get favorites. So all the races do, they get favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, their favorite little reptilian, you know, their favorite, their, it's like having your favorite little turtle. That's about what we are to them. I mean, really, <laughs> when then they look at us, they're like, hmm, well, you know, we like y'all humans and all. And then there's the weird part about the blood types. Was it A, B, and O? Did they come from the reptilian humans and grays? Is that where our blood types came from? Because it does seem like we share a blood type with them. Uh, and O blood is so such a significant thing on our planet that uh, it, it changes everything. Without it, we wouldn't even be the race we are today. We would, right. we would be a much different race. And we would be a more different race in the future because obviously it's going to change our race even more. I mean, when... Uh, when RH negative was found out to be, which they think was about 35,000 years ago, it was 0%. Yeah. Today it's 15%. And RH negative kills babies. It makes them stillborn. That's why you got to get the special shot. Mm. If you found out that your husband's one and you're the other. I know a lot of y'all are too young for this out there, but when I was getting married, you had to have a blood test. And the reason why is they needed to know if, if I was negative and she was positive or vice versa, because if they did, you couldn't have children. Right. Children, a lot of times, would be stillborn. And then some gentlemen invented what they call the antidinogen D gene. So now you can get a shot, and that doesn't work like that anymore. But this is something for 40,000 years was killing babies unchecked. Why would Mother Nature make this? To no doctor today can give me an answer why Mother Nature would create this. Now, an alien race who knew we might need it in the future, that's different. But why would Mother Nature know? I mean, remember. Uh, RH negative, or I should say O negative is the universal donor. Yeah, it's so the far. Only, yeah, it's the only blood that can be shared with any other race. But remember this, no RH negative people can only take RH negative. No other blood can be shared with them, but they can share their blood with everyone else on the planet. Even, even the ABA negative and positive, which are only 1.5, they can even share their blood with them. So technically, RH negative is, is the, the blood type with the it's the smallest blood type because they can share theirs with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting to know that, but it's also interesting to know that it's the purest form of blood known to man. It's where all of our hemological research comes from. Mm-hmm. It's a very special blood type. And, uh, and it came out of nowhere for no reason. Nobody can figure out where it came from or why it came or how it's here. And remember this too, ladies and gentlemen, if you're, if you're RH positive, you share 2% of your, your blood with a Reese's monkey. Yeah. If you're RH negative, you do not hmm. figure yeah. that one out. Yeah. yeah. Figure that one out. So 
it, it's a strange thing, but this is where the kicker comes in. Almost 65% of all contactees that we have on file and most of the organizations we work with have on file or RH negative. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So it shows that there's a, there's a, maybe it's a taste better. I don't know. I'm serious. I don't know so, people. It so scares me a little bit. So recently I was, uh, I was interviewing a guest on, on the show and she talked, well, she asked me point blank. She, she looked at, apparently I must've been looking a certain way. And she, she said, I'm looking at your eyes right now and they look hazel to me. And she said, are you aware that um, there seems to be some kind of, an, now I'm going to ask you this question and see what your perspective is on this. So my eyes are, my dad had a one hazel eye and one blue eye. And I, I have blue eyes, but on occasion they look hazel. Um, but do you believe that there's a possible theory that anyone with hazel's, hazel eyes, just like the blood type, um, could have had potential history of involvement in some way with alien abduction. Have you have you heard anything about that? What's your perspective? Actually, all the colored blood types fall into that category. So this is what's weird. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to blow all y'all's minds here in a second. Mm -hmm. So as of about 45,000 or 50,000 years ago, everyone on this planet had brown hair, brown skin, mm -hmm. brown eyes, that's mm -hmm. it. That's what we were. We were just uh, uh, the race we were. Yep. We were an AB race with no negative blood in us at all. There was no mutation. Just mm -hmm. we were AB. I don't even think there was O. And everybody pretty much looked the same as far as you had brown skin, brown hair, brown eyes. You yep. might have had black hair, but it still fell in the same category. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's who we were as a species. And then, bam, out of nowhere, RH negative shows. And when it does, it creates, remember, RH negative is a mutation. And so are blue and green eyes. They're both mutations. So as of uh, until recent times, uh, RH, uh, green and blue eyes were only about 2 or 3% of the population. Mm -hmm. Today, they're a little bit higher than that, probably about 12, depending on who you want to believe. It runs anywhere from 4% to 14%. Just There's a lot of different polls out there. Uh, when you do it worldwide, it always seems to fall out around 4 or 5%. Look, in China, even today, green eyes are extremely rare. Yeah extremely rare in India. It's the same way. And that's 3 billion and three and a half billion people right there. And you might see a green eyed person out of one out of every 50 million. So it tells you now you want to see a lot of green eyes move to Ireland or Scotland. They seem to be a lot of green eyed, red headed, white skinned people there. Don't ask me why. I yeah. don't know, but there seems to be a lot of them. Mm -hmm. uh, there does seem to be these pockets around the planet, mm -hmm. which is, it's more than that because if you pay attention you'll notice that a lot of green-eyed, blue-eyed people, they dominate Hollywood and politics. Yeah. You will find at least 50 to 55% of all people in, in musicians or I'm talking about famous ones that are, or famous ones that are movie stars or TV stars have blue or green eyes. Yeah. Some people say it's high net. Same thing with politicians. Yeah. Why is that? So they only make it up 2 to 4% of the population. We'll, we'll even say 10% of the population. How can they be so many of them in so many places? Mm -hmm. So basically what it shows you is 10% of the population is dominating over 90% of the population. Why? What is it? Because they just, it's just a blue eyed thing. You're like, Oh, look how pretty their eyes are. Yeah. Is that what it is. Well, you'll find that a lot of those same people mm -hmm. are RH negative. Okay. About half or more of those are RH negative and RH negative people have a distinctive different personalities than RH positive. No one believed it at first, but there's been enough colleges that have done enough research now that there is a difference in personalities 
between RH negative and RH positive people, not including other things in, in their personalities. But I found that interesting in itself. It's almost like it's, you know, it, you have, we have a submutation inside of our species now. Mm-hmm. Why? What is it that kicked this off? What is it that kicked off this RH negative and this blue and green eye and some of the other shades of colors that comes along with it? What is it that kicked this off? Why? Why was it? We just so boring that some guy passed by and said, "Wait a minute, <laughs> these people." So we got to do something about this. Oh, come on, man, you can't have one colored eye. Uh, so somebody kicked it up. Personally, I like brown eyes. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, somebody the other day said, "Well, you just hate on people." I said, "No, I married a woman with brown eyes." <laughs> Sorry, you can't use that as an excuse. Uh, I like dark eyes. It's a thing for me, but but I also have green eyes myself. So. Yeah, uh, and I didn't, and, and I didn't know anything about green eyes. And I also have arch negative blood too. I have O negative, but I didn't know anything about any of this when I got involved with this. Matter of fact, because I had green eyes and O negative blood, it took me an additional three years to release the blood type study huh. because I had to find out. Well, one, I didn't want people thinking it was just because it was me. Yeah, and two, I needed to be sure what the data was. We found we worked with three big uh, global hematologists on this. One of them is still on the ICAR website with all the maps and how it's spread around the world. We spent almost a decade, a little actually a little over a decade working with these different people to figure this. Even they were just like floored by this research. And then out of the blue, the guy says, well, wait, I got something else that's going to twist you. I'm like, what? He said, did you know that Central and South America is 98% O? I'm like, what? Hmm. how can that be he said oh no it's for real check out the maps for yourself and by the way ladies and gentlemen these maps for the hematologists are still available on the icar website you can go look at them for yourself mm-hmm. um for some reason or another even with the even with the conquistadors you know invading spain uh it's still 98 percent oh i mean invading hmm. south america sorry i said spain didn't i but it's weird now, yeah. if you're getting the rest of America, it's, it's what it's supposed to be. 38% RH negative. I mean, uh, you know, O negative. I mean, uh, 38% RH O positive, 37% A positive. It's just what it's supposed to be. And pretty much it's like that around the world, except for little weird spots here and there. Well, we just, we just thought it was kind of strange. Um, although we never really probed into it or questioned it, that my dad would have one hazel eye and one blue eye. And yeah. I don't. I have no idea where, where, what happened there. The fact, the fact that you have colored eyes increases your chances of being taken at least 60%. So yeah. that, that see, and that's what this study was about. And this had a study started, ladies and gentlemen, there's several parts of this study, by the way, not just the blood type. We started looking for ways to find contactees before they even knew they were contactees. We were yeah. looking for ways that we could maybe help people by giving them a list of things and they could go through it themselves and see if any of this was true for them. And like the 75 questions on the site, mm-hmm. we're, we're just trying to find people who may have had experiences. We, no one knew. And by the way, so y'all know this, we all expected it to come out like it should have been. It should have been, you know, 37% A positive, uh, 37% O positive. That's what we expected to see. Mm-hmm. We did not expect to see this drastic RH negative thing. None of us did. Hmm. And uh, yeah, and, and there's only one organization that found positive. Then I'm not going to mention their name because I don't want to give them credit for it. Yeah. But um, everybody else, and I mean everybody else in the field, found the RH negative was it. Yeah. And when you start talking to contactees, you find out a lot of them are just RH negative. Yeah. It's 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 I don't know. People people always wonder, especially with these disappearances that happen 
for whatever reason every year. Do you suppose that if, do you, have you heard or do you know that if, if a person's been abducted and maybe nine out of 10 times they uh, may return, like you returned in 11 days, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's just very fascinating. Okay. Um, a story in and of itself. But do you suppose that there's the possibility that if someone is abducted, that they they never return or that they're killed mm-hmm. in the process of experimentation? And then how do they dispose of the body? Oh, no, they got a they got a whole cleanup crew for that kind of stuff. But yeah. But um it's it's weird because when I first got into this field, there was a lot of reports of UFOs over hospitals and mortuaries and graveyards. And no yeah. one could no one could figure out why. Yeah. So ICAR learned how to cheat about 20 years ago, 15 years ago. So what we do is we'll pull up 50 of our, of our abductees, active abductees that we know are active, that yeah. know, don't, none of them know each other because it's yeah. just the way it works. We'll send them all a question, one mm-hmm. question, and we'll have them start repeating that question You know, while they're walking around. You never know when they're going to be taking. They might be making breakfast. They might be sleeping. Yeah. Abductions happen all the time. So you know, we start asking these questions. So in the grays, especially the other races do it too, but the grays, especially usually when they pick you up, if that question's in your head, when you're looking at them and you transmit it, a lot of times they will answer the question without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's not a question that's going to cause certain problems, they, they, they just kind of look at their contact. they like, Oh, look, my little baby did it. Actually, it actually made a telepathic question. Oh my God. Yeah. But over the years we've cheated and used that as a way uh, to find answers for certain things. It's, that's one of the reasons we found about the blue plasmids and other stuff. And I, I didn't. So, so getting back to the hospital thing, so I'm going to tell you about somebody else. Yeah. So what we figured out was by asking these questions was, is that they have the ability to take your consciousness up to three or four days after you die. Okay. So obviously you had to agree to this, hopefully before this happens, because this is a way of cheating going to heaven. So, or hell, whatever you believe in. So they snatch your consciousness and upload it now. They can keep it in a computer if they want to. They can put it in what they call host bodies if they want to. They can put it in a hologram room if they want to, mm-hmm. uh, wherever they want to keep you, but they have uses for you. So some contactees and keepers in other parts of the program, they're going to have use for you after you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people make deals. They say they make deals. It's better family or some BS um, so that they'll go along with whatever they're talking about. Some of these deals, when the when the when the Holocaust thing comes, they'll be there for cleanup crews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just being taken off to other planets and other worlds, but they're definitely being taken. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, they will take someone early, uh, just for whatever reason. Maybe their 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 telepathic abilities have grown too strong to be on the planet, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll take them. Or sometimes they're they're you know maybe too much of one blood showed over than the other. So they'll take them. They just take, and then there's no excuse for it. They're just gone. Yeah. They just had to use some Now, I don't think it's a huge number of living people, but there are some that actually get taken. Uh, we know that because cases we've worked on, um, the person just disappeared. Yeah. And, and law enforcement couldn't find them. And the, the, the weird part is, is those people who disappeared probably within a night or two of that were already had some crazy contact experience. And they were talking about maybe going to work, you know, having to go do stuff for the aliens now. And, and sure enough, they were gone. Yeah. And you could just think they drove off in the night. That's always possible. Mm-hmm. But nobody ever found them. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of creepy, weird the way it works. But and they do they they do have I shouldn't say they have a use for us more in the fact that we have a use for them. Mm-hmm. They know something big and bad is coming, that yeah. whatever it is. 
they know it's on its way. They can't save all eight billion, or it's probably only that'll probably be about ten billion or twenty billion by the time this happens. Yeah. But they plan on saving a couple billion anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, by taking them off, you know, if they spent the last two or three thousand years taking people here, taking people there, taking people here, and they're going to spend another couple thousand, yeah, they'll get a big and some sort of enhance in your life spans for probably several thousand years. You'll get to watch this all unfold, mm-hmm. um, and because that's what the host bodies are. If I had a dollar for every contactee that went on board a spaceship and said they saw rows and rows of bodies, sometimes yeah. adults, sometimes children, sometimes it was them. But it looked different, like they might have been a little chunkier, a little skinnier. It just, it just when they looked at it, they were like, it's me, but maybe it's a little older, maybe it's a little younger. These are husk bodies. These are bodies that are being held mm-hmm. for when it's time to use them. And they oh. just, so the grays just, when it comes time, they just take you as you die. They beam you up from there and beam you into the new body. Okay, that's all fine, Danny, because a lot of y'all want to live forever. I understand it. But if you believe in God, what does that do to you? That's right. You know, does that short change you going to heaven? So, well, maybe it's part of God's plan. I don't know if anybody starts writing to this poor lady. I don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but you just never know when you get into these kind of questions. Yeah. Um, is, is it right for them to do it? Most contactees tell me they agreed to it, but mm-hmm. a lot of contactees tell me they don't. Uh, they're just being taken. Mm-hmm. When they die, they're being taken. And what's really strange about this is when sometimes when the keeper, like, like a child may, um, as they grow, may become a keeper. They may be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and they may be a keeper. And they see their mother on board the ship looking like she's 35. Yeah. You know, and how do you cope with that? I mean, for, especially when you find out it is your mom, how do you cope with that? You definitely can't go home and say, hey, mom's alive aboard a spaceship because you're going on a loony bin. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. for the most part, they usually send them to other worlds. But a lot of them, I mean, some of these ships are massive. I mean, some of what they talk about, they talk about ships at least the size of the moon or bigger. Uh, and they look like board cubes, a lot of them. And they're yeah. just big square and they have unlimited stories. You look up and down and they were talking about the gray ship. They say the air in a gray ship is so clean. You don't smell anything ever. It's, it's like, there's just no smell. Mm-hmm. There's virtually it's the sound is really low, but the air always smells really good. And, mm-hmm. and everything's there. And every possible thing you could need is there. And when you look up and down, they have gardens overhanging gardens, like the gardens of Babylon with waterfalls coming off of each garden going down. And there's a big open area in the middle of it. Well, that's great. Sounds like a Hilton or something, you know, <laughs> what else is going on in that damn ship? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> but, you know, but that's weird because, you know, when I first heard about the black eyed children, like this is some ghosty demon thing. And then all of a sudden I start getting these contactees talking about, Oh no, they're on board the ship. I'm like, what do you mean they're on board the ship? Said no, they're on board. They're just another race like us, about the same, same, about the same uh, status, evolution status, where we are technologically about the same. He said they're just keepers on board the ship, just like the rest of us, because they do say there's several races on board the ship that are allowed to interact. They're just not allowed to come down to the planet. So if you're on board the ship, you can interact. But if you come down, you can't. Mm-hmm. And it's also when you have act, you get have more time to access all your downloads because humans get a lot of downloads when they're down here. But a lot of times it's confusing. Yeah. When, when you're on board the ship, it's like you've got an extra 10 terabytes hooked to your head. So more of it makes sense. But when you leave, it still stays in that hard drive aboard the ship. It don't come back with you. So um, it's interesting. Listen, when you, you, know, when you hear these people talk about it, it, sounds like a great place to go hang out. Yeah, you, know, you meet all kind of weird aliens, get to travel around the cosmos. It's like a effed up version of Doctor Who or something. Well, uh, but the but the thing is, is that for those that are seen on the ship, 
And when you say, yeah, I saw my mother, she was like age, whatever. Is she alive or is she dead? No, she's alive. She's, she's alive. alive and yeah, yeah, she's alive. They just, what they do is they just take your consciousness. And by the way, we, we're, we're working this technology ourselves right now. They just take this tech, they just beam up your consciousness and put it into a new body. Hmm. Even, if, even if you see in a holograph, she'd still be alive. She'd just be in a holographic body. And they have the ability to store you on a computer for eternity if they want to. Yeah. So, you know, they, but most of the time what they do is since they already have host bodies for them, they, they upload them almost immediately into the host body so they can start getting used to it. Sometimes they'll put them on a hologram body. If it's like, it's going to be like a big transition, mm-hmm. they might let them work through another one to transition through. But for the most part, they just put you in the host body and, and let you start serving. And yeah. usually you'll be serving on board, whatever ship it is for some time before they find you, send you to whatever colony you're going to. Well, um, and, and, and in that time, you may see your kids or your grandkids or whoever. Am I safe to assume that there's no fear or resilience when this happens or memory erased as to what they, what kind of life they used to have versus the life that they're now having? Because, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to separate the, um, the fact that when someone gets taken and they're seen up there, that their memory of where what their life used to be was completely it's been erased so they don't they're not reacting to oh my god i'm on a ship i will never be able to go home and see my grandbabies ever again you know what what are your thoughts on that well see that's what's different about this so it's a good chance since she's going to be going to a colony herself that those grandbabies may end up there yeah so she doesn't want to wipe those memories out yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's a dual thing. I would imagine if you got to a point where you couldn't handle it, they would just wipe them. But most people I talk to want to remember because they're thinking, you know, they may see some of these kinfolk wherever they're going. Yeah. And they may. And they, and they are looking for because sometimes the grades or reptiles will tell you, hey, you know, great grandma's already there. She just yeah. looks like she's hot 25 now, but she's there. Yeah. And uh, so. It's different. So a lot of these people are looking forward to this stuff, especially if they didn't have the greatest of lives here. Um, you know, it's different. And, and contactees, it's a weird thing with contactees. They're either really successful or really happy or just miserable. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be any gray zone for them, any, anything in the middle. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be there. It seems to be one or the other. And yeah. uh, it, it sucks for them. And I mean, you know, it, it's, but a lot of them really have this sense of feeling that they're going to need at least some family. Somebody asked me the other day, said, well, what happened if, if husband comes and he's gotten remarried since then? I said, well, it only depends if the ex-wife's coming or not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if the new wife's coming or not. I said, you got to remember, though, and this is another weird thing about abductees. In the early days, they never seemed to find someone that was like them. So, yeah. you know, when they trying to tell your spouse that you were this was happening to you was insane. And since only mostly in the 70s and 80s, women were coming forward. And even in the early 90s, only women were coming forward. We didn't find out too much later that there's almost as many men as there as women being taken. Yeah. Um, you know, then men finally started coming out and saying, yes, it's happening to me. It's happening to me. It's happening to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it started making a little bit more sense of what was going on. But they have no problem. And they cure people from time to time. They don't. But, you know, I don't I don't think they always do it because, you know, they, they know they're going to be taking that person. They don't take everybody, by the way. They just... It's just people who have shown an interest that, that shown uh, an ability that looks like, you know, given these gifts that they're going to thrive in the future and they're going to help the human race thrive and become a, a better species. That's really what they're looking for. They, they can't, it's really weird because in, in, in right out, they can't directly interfere, <clears throat> but they can partially interfere. 
makes no, no sense to me. It's like watching a stupid episode of Star Trek. Um, it's, it's like, yes, I can interfere, but I can't go no further than this. Uh, but we're going to take you because then that to me, when they take you and bring you to another world, that's directly interfering, isn't it? But you're dead. So it's not. Yeah. The only thing you're interfering there is the cycle of death. And since two of the races don't believe nothing happens after you're dead, they figure they're helping you out. Uh, the, actually one race doesn't. The greys and repti- uh, reptilians and humans both believe in an afterlife, even though they're, they, they only have one religion and one government, though. They're, they don't have multiple religions and stuff like that. And they are, I'll tell you what Father Monsignor Balducci said, one of the big boys at the Vatican. I was in uh, Washington, D.C. speaking, giving a lecture to the press club. So was he and so was a couple other people. Mm-hmm. And I had Paula Harris translate for me because uh, he couldn't speak English. And we had been talking about, you know, what the Vatican knew and the Vatican knows a lot, blah, 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 blah. And then he stops and he says in Italian, which broken Italian, I could kind of understand some of it. And he stops and said, you know, the Holy Pope and the Holy Body, meaning the, the, the Cardinals, all believe that the aliens are in a much higher evolution with God than we are. They've been around so much longer and they understand so much more than we do that makes them much closer to the almighty than we are. Now, when he said that, I like to fell out my freaking chair. First, mm-hmm. I couldn't even believe first, this is an admittance that the Vatican knows about this. Secondly, yeah. that they think that these aliens may actually be closer to God than we are. I, I, I didn't even know what to think about that. Well, I've heard that three times from three different people in the church now. And uh, father Monsucci was the highest though. I mean, um, he was a great guy and he had been saying for a while that the Vatican knew about aliens and the Vatican had had interaction over the last 2000 years. And, uh, blah, blah, blah. And the Vatican never one time reprimanded him or one time said he wasn't telling the truth. Uh, they just went along with it. And then the uh, astronomer came out for the Vatican and said basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then one of the cardinals came out and basically said the same thing. So after that, and when this current pope was asked, do they have stuff about extraterrestrials? He said, you'd have to ask the Vatican keeper. She probably knows. Huh. <laughs> I was laughing. Oh my <laughs> He's laughing. I was like, well, that's a good answer, though, because he probably doesn't. They probably never went down there to find out. Probably. <laughs> Joe, how many times do you think you've actually been abducted? Oh, well, it starts at birth and it doesn't ever quit. So, so, I'll keep it, 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 so, so usually what happens is they'll take the they'll take the woman home and I mean, take the woman to the ship on at least two occasions before birth. And they'll check the baby. I think and actually physically remove the fetus and look at it. They'll put it back and, and they'll do whatever they're going to do. And they'll put it back. And then they put the mother back. And then usually within a week of birth, they'll take it again. As a child, they tend to take you at least once a month. They want, oh you, to get used to, they want you to get used to being on board these ships. They, they actually let you interact with other children, other children from other races. So you, you go through this and then you hit puberty and then mm-hmm. all hell breaks out. Mm-hmm. They, they do things to people from, from whatever you started puberty, we could say 10 on up. Um, things that you just you wouldn't do to anybody even your enemy i mean they remove body parts they do stress tests of all sorts uh they do a lot a lot a lot a lot of breeding experiences mm-hmm. experiences they take a lot of eggs they they use them to put you grow those host bodies with they see a lot of people when they take the man, man and woman sperm they think they're growing these weird hybrids no they use them to grow those wherever plants you're going to has a particular environment so they're growing you a host body mm-hmm. for that plant if you're the one one of the ones going that's what they're doing and occasionally they do hybrids for like the men in black and stuff like that. So Rachel eyes was a good book. Her daughter was a hybrid, but she was too close 
to them than us. So if you're a hybrid and you're just, you know, maybe a little empathic, little list, and you don't look deaf strange, they're going to leave you here and let your parents raise you. Mm -hmm. If you turn out like what she did, she was in college and all, they had to bring her special food. Actually, the NSA used to bring her special food. This is all well documented. Uh, they did all kind of stuff. This, this girl, she was thin. She was weird looking, kind of grayish, whitish looking. Um, she, she was pretty in a way, but still, you know, she had always been treated weirdly. And then one day on her way to school, they stopped and picked her up. It was like the movie out of take. It's probably where he got the idea for for taking from. Yeah. And they just took her. They said it was too much. She was just too close. I guess maybe more of her abilities started to develop. Because mm -hmm. the grades have all sorts of abilities. I mean, you name it, they've got it. So then they didn't want it to happen out. So ladies and gentlemen, when we talk about this, the grades of reptilians and humans are not trying to make hybrids of their cells. They're making hybrids of us. Okay. They don't want to contaminate their genes with us. And I've actually, this has actually been said to humans on more than one occasion. Why would we want to put your stinking dirty genes into our perfectly clean evolutionary genes? They don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and one of the other reasons the three races worry about us, because now we do contain all three races genes, which means one day, 20 billion, 500 million, 5,000 years, one of these days, we're going to surpass them. Even the greys who are at least a billion year old race and have been enhanced by the light beams, we will even surpass them one day. So it makes us, doesn't make us dangerous right now, but in a hundred million years, it makes us extremely dangerous. We could be the new overlords of the galaxy or the universe for that matter. My God, this is whipped by really fast, but very interesting. And I've been just sitting here, sitting back and trying to absorb this and kind of think about some things here. Joe, tell everybody um, how they can get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you, if they want to watch anything that you produce, um, you know, let us know what that is. So if you're looking for the alien stuff, it's www.icar1.com. Okay. That's usually where you're going to find it. The best place to get me is to write to me at icarcox.net. Now, it may take me a week. It might even take me two weeks to write it back to you. I get a lot of email. But if you label it right and I can, I open it and it looks like it's going to be interesting, then I will save it and read it. I promise you. I always read. Because I get a lot of junk email, too. So I said, you know, I'll, but I always look at all my email because I don't want to miss anybody. Mm. Um, just today, I got two emails. One of the ladies telling me that she had heard my name when she was being taken. Um, and it, she's not the first, but my name does get brought up from time to time because in a way I'm kind of a bridge between things. Yeah. Uh, we're the only organization that's ever done the things that anybody's done. There's no organizations not move on and anybody else out there that's ever bridged the stuff that we've done, ever talked about the gray reptilian human questionnaires, never put out the long interest involved stuff we've done, never did a hemological blood study. They've never done any of this stuff. It, it sets us apart from anybody out there because I'm not in this to make money. Um, we don't ask. We're not a, we're not a, a 5013C. We're a publicly, I mean, a privately funded research organization, just like any other research organization. And the reason why is because if I have all your data and the government wants it, if I was like MUFON, they could just come take it because it's a 5013C. Mm -hmm. But being privately funded, they will have to drag me in the court with, we've got at least a dozen lawyers on retainer, uh, which are probably abductees themselves. And they're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure they never get your information. Yeah. And meanwhile, while we're doing this, we're going to blast this over the media and let the world see the government trying to pick on this little organization about someone who's been alien abducted. Uh, that's not going to bode well for me. It's the reason we took that path. Uh, and it seems to work very well for us. It keeps a lot of people off our butts. Yeah. But you can find us there. And if, and if you're looking for any of the radio stuff, the best place to go is... Um, UPR, well, yeah, UPRNTalkRadio.com. That's our one of our main sites over there. 
you can always track it. Look, you can always just type in my name, Joe Montale. A lot of stuff will come up that way. Um, but and we are on Roku now. If you want to see our beautiful faces on Roku, you can find us on Roku now under under UFO Paranormal Radio. Actually, all you have to ever usually type in is UFOP and it comes right up. Okay. Uh, for, the, for the listeners who follow us on the United Public Radio, it will be getting added in there sometime in the next couple of weeks because what we're going to do is is we're going to add in Amazon Fire Stick here real soon. So within about two months, you'll be able to view us on Amazon Prime as well. You can listen to us there now, but now you'll be able to watch us on Prime Television like any other, other Prime shows. You'll be able to watch us there as well, uh, which is going to allow us to do a lot of things we couldn't do before, like live broadcasts from different locations and things like that. And if you're in the L.A. area in the last week of April, I will be down there with the writers of the future. Uh, working with them, doing press, stopping by. When I find out what hotel it is, I'll let everybody know. Uh, y'all can stop on by and, and hang out. Uh, usually it's a high dollar hotel, so you're going to have to use my name and have them call me, and I can just let you run around the hotel. But uh, other than that, it, it, I'm always looking for friends to stop by. Anybody who wants to come work and help, you can. Yeah. And then again, I am on the air myself Wednesdays. Yeah, right now, Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm on UFO on the cover from six to eight on Wednesday at Central Time. And I host a political show uh, on on actually Friday night, 9 to 11. Sometimes it's essentialist. Sometimes it's news on the flip side, depending on what the subject matter is. Uh, right now, Emily Mintaus is co-hosting with me. She's been doing a pretty good job out there. I've never had a Christian co-host before, so it's a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Jay Mag- Magnia also hosts with us there. And then a couple of people, we have other guest hosts that just stop by and hang out with us while we talk about Everything that is anything dealing with politics on centralists and on news on the flip side. But that's sounds, the easiest way to get holes of me. Sounds good. And I'll have a lot of this information in the show notes at the end. So once uh, you gave us a lot to go on here, and I will definitely get this as much as I can. Uh, the only clarification I need right now from you, Joe, is uh, if you're on Roku, um, are you active right now? Uh, we are active on Roku right now. Um, if you look at the sh- uh, shows that are live, you can go find out on the website which live when it's not. We're going to put a formal schedule up next week, but you can find out what's live. Um, anything that's been live recently will be now. I got to be honest, it's a paid station for our hosts. So you might not see all the same hosts there. You might see different hosts in their place. Uh, it's I think it's $70 charge for the Roku feature and the feature feature on Google. So uh, I can tell you this, if you Roku feature with us and you Google feature, the very minimum audience you'll see is around 75,000 listeners. Oh, my so, goodness. That's good. Yeah, so, that's great. Hey, we've that's been around great. just a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> and that's only years. a couple. Can you imagine what it's going to look like next year? All yeah. right. Thank you so much. Very interesting stuff. Um, it's got me thinking, and I'm sure many people are also pondering some of the stuff we've heard today. So thank you so much, Joe, for being on the show today. I had a good time. Thank you for joining us this evening. Dr. Schutz welcomes your emails and paranormal stories. Visit her website at www.paranormaluniversalpress.com for contact information or go to amazon.com to view her books searching under Paranormal Encounters. Thanks for listening. Take care. And until next time... Be careful what you wish for. The script, vocal talent, and music compositions in this podcast program are copyrighted. 
As a disclaimer, this podcast episode or parts thereof may not be reproduced, reposted, or transmitted in any form without the express permission from the producer and company, Paranormal Universal Press, LLC, or Para-X Radio Network. Any opinion or claim made in any podcast episode by the host or guest does not necessarily represent the viewpoints of Paranormal Universal Press, LLC, Para-X Radio Network, or its sponsors. Properties mentioned in any podcast are publicly known to be haunted or have been discovered to have unexplained occurrences. If you are a ghost seeker, please take precautions and respect people's properties by not trespassing.